Okay, Chuck Wilson, Hope Community Church. Uh, we are in 2 Kings 8, 7 to 15. If you want to turn there and be ready there. And the title is God is Calling the Shots. God is Calling the Shots, 2 Kings 8, 7 to 15. I told you something big was coming. Just like with Elisha warning the mom about something big coming, the famine, we know from God's Word and what we're seeing happening, we know something big is coming and it is here now. God always warns His people. Always keep an eye on the Bible and an eye on the daily news and, and be watching both and connecting the dots because God always warns His people. No one in our church uh, should be, or if you've been listening to me not in our church, no one should be surprised at our church, especially if you've been watching the prophetic series that I've been doing, Making Sense of This Crazy World. It's online, it's on the YouTube and our podcast site and iTunes still so far. Uh, it's there. Uh, if you've been watching that, we have, or if you've been even just following First and Second Kings, Elijah and Elisha, we have carefully laid out the prophetic steps in the life of Elijah and Elisha. Listen again if you haven't been listening or listen again, especially listen to God Picks Our Presidents preached over a year ago, and also connecting dots to the coronavirus and beyond. Those two are back about a year ago. Listen to those. <laughs> it's all happening. It's all happening. The U.S. looks like it's in total chaos. Looks like it's in total chaos, but it's not because God is calling the shots. Just If you don't remember anything else, remember this. God is calling the shots. I remember when 9-11 happened, I warned everybody, this is God's warning. He's warning us. We better listen. But our country and the church, or the church in America and our country ignored the warnings of 9-11, what happened. And now God has unsheathed his sword of judgment. It's here. The, we, we must look at what's happening in our country and in our lives biblically, not with emotions, not emotionally, not passionately or politically or patriotically. Now, I'm going to say that again. Not passionately, politically or patriotically. That's not what drives our, our worldview. We must look at it through God's word biblically. But we must instead look for God's purpose and what's happening in our country, in our church, in our lives. We must look at it for God's purpose because God is calling the shots, <laughs> as we will see in his word. And we don't always like what he's doing, but he is doing it. Uh, and we're going to look at his word and see the parallels to the, what's happening in the United States today. Let's pray. Father, this is a hard sermon because it's your word and it and it. it it's about what happens when we ignore your word and what happens when we keep ignoring your word and we cross the line of mercy and grace. And yet, we need to be prepared. I pray that you would prepare each one of us for what we are going to be facing, what is here now. And Lord, I pray that you would prepare those who have never put their faith in Jesus, that they would take that step of faith so that they would be prepared, spiritually prepared. Father, I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, let's look at the parallels from the life of Elisha, all right, and see the parallels with what we're going through today. Now, first of all, I want to back up to 1 Kings 19. In 1 Kings 19, I want to back up to that where Elijah, 
Elijah, before Elisha is even on the scene, we got to back up there if we're going to understand today's passage. We're going to back up where Elijah is in a deep depression over what is happening. Israel is falling apart at the seams, just like the prophets had warned many times, just like Elijah had told them was going to happen if they continued to disobey God and, 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 and go their own way. But now that that judgment has arrived, Elijah... Elijah is crashing. He just wants to die. He's so depressed and so upset about what is happening. He just wants to die. Anybody here feel like that? Anybody so upset, grieving what's going on, just saying, come Lord Jesus, come. I've had several Christians say that to me recently. Come Lord Jesus, come. We're grieving the U.S. night. Not grieving what is happening in the U.S.A. We're not sad about President Trump. We're sad about the United States of America. That's what we're sad about. Franklin Graham gave a real powerful word when he said, it's clear that God is judging America, which is what his father warned about. Billy Graham warned about 50 years ago. I remember him warning, God's going to judge America. We're just like Sodom and Gomorrah. We have to repent. I remember him warning over and over again. So so Elijah, he's, he's, he's sad. He's uh, He's... It's all coming to fruition. It, it's crashing. What is God, Elijah's deep depression, what is God's response? How does God respond to Elijah's depression, wanting to die, grieving over the nation of Israel? How does he respond? God reminds Elijah that he is still calling the shots. As bad as it looks, God is still calling the shots. In fact, in First. Kings 19, I'm going to read 15 to 18. This is right when Elijah is crashing. Verse 15, First Kings 19, verse 15. The, now, the Lord said to him, Go back the way you came and go to the desert of Damascus. When you get there, anoint Hazael king of Ar- over Aram. Also anoint Jehu, son of Nimshi, king over Israel. And anoint Elisha, Anoint Elisha, son of Shaphat from Abel Maholah, to succeed you as prophet. Jehu will put to death anyone who escapes the sword of Hazael, and Elisha will put to death anyone who escapes the sword of Jehu. Yet I reserve 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed down to Baal, and all whose mouths have not kissed him. Elijah is given three jobs to do. He carries out Uh, Out of the three, he carries out the first one in verse 19. So Elijah went from there and found Elisha, son of Shaphat. He was plowing with twelve yoke of oxen, and he himself was driving the twelfth pair. Elijah went up to him and threw his cloak around him. So he he appoints, anoints Elisha to be his successor. Who then, Elisha then, we're going to find, we see today and next week, we're going to see that Elisha carries out the second and third anointings, the second and third jobs, as we will see. But the key to remember for all three of these jobs, Elisha in, Elijah in depression, God gives him these three jobs to do. All three jobs that God gives Elijah to do, we have to remember, is that they are all judgment on Israel. 
They're all judgment on Ahab and wicked King Ahab and Jezebel and their family. They're judgment on Israel. All three jobs that God gives him to do are judgment. We're going to look at Jehu next time. Don't miss next one. Ooh, it's going to be even hotter than this one. But today I want to focus on Hazael. He was already anointed Elisha, and now we're going to see that Hazael is anointed by Elisha himself. God, he's a, passed that baton on, okay? Second Kings 8. 7 to 15. Elisha went to Damascus and Ben-Hadad, was king of Aram, was ill. When the king was told the man of God has come all the way up here, he said to Hazael, take a gift with you and go to meet the man of God. Consult the Lord through him. Ask him why I recover from this illness. Hazael went to meet Elisha, <clears throat> taking with him as a gift 40 camel loads of all the finest wares of Damascus, <clears throat> He went in and stood before him and said, Your son Ben-Hadad, king of Aram, has sent me to ask, Will I recover from this illness? Elisha answered, Go and say to him, You will certainly recover. But the Lord has revealed to me that he will, in fact, die. He stared at him with a fixed gaze until Hazael felt ashamed. Then the man of God began to weep. Why is my Lord weeping? asked Hazael. Because I know the harm you will do to the Israelites, he answered. You will set fire to their fortified places, kill their young men with a sword, dash their little children to the ground, and rip open their pregnant women. Hazael said, How could your servant, a mere dog, accomplish such a feat? The Lord has shown me that you will become king of Aram, answered Elisha. Then Hazael left Elisha and returned to his master. When Ben-Hadad asked him, What did Elisha say to you? Hazael replied, He told me you would certainly recover. But the next day, he took a thick cloth, soaked it in water, and spread it over the king's face so that he died. Then Hazael succeeded him as king. Wow. Wow. Elisha goes to Damascus, probably because of the same famine that he had sent the widow away for. And he also goes because he has God's leading. He has a job to do. There's another anointing that has to happen, right? That God had given Elijah and then now it's being fulfilled through Elisha. Ben-Hadad is the king of Aram and he is sick. He is the main Israel, uh, main enemy of Israel at this time. Although, the, as we have seen recently, uh, in our, as we did the study here, we saw there is a temporary and very shaky peace between the two. He now sends <clears throat> his right-hand man, Hazael, to, with this huge treasure, to find out if he's going to survive. He, Ben Hadad, I'll call him Ben, he knows Elisha very well. <laughs> He's made, he knows he's a man of God. He knows he has healed Naaman, his top commander of leprosy. Remember that? And he also had delivered the king of Israel many times from Ben-Hadad's hands. He didn't, didn't, he was so upset with Elisha, he sent his army to capture Elisha. But Elisha blinded his entire army and then spared his army. It didn't kill him. He spared them. Remember, a wild story. So he knew Elisha was a man of God. He knew he had this prophetic power. He knew he was powerful, but he also knew that he was a merciful man. Man of God. So, Elisha answers him and says, answers Hazael and says, go back and tell him King Benny's going to recover from this sickness, from this illness. But then he tells Hazael, even though he's going to recover from the sickness, he's still going to die. He's still going to die. And then right after telling him that, Elisha gives Hazael his death stare. The death stare. He gives him this death stare. He 
because he knows that he's going to assassinate Ben-Hadad. He's going to assassinate him. He can see right through Hazael. God has showed him this. Then Elisha begins to weep, cry, uncontrollably weeping. Why? He says, because I know you're going to follow up that first murder with many more murders. You're going to murder many of the Israelites, do horrible things, rip out pregnant women, horrible, horrible things. God had chosen Hazael to be king over Aram. Way back when Elijah was still the spokesman, way back before Elijah even had called Elisha, he had chosen him to be the king of Israel. And why did God choose Hazael? To carry out judgment on Israel. Way back, God had chosen him. He knew Israel wasn't going to return. He knew there was only going to be a remnant revival, 7,000. God knew that. And so he had chosen Hazael way back. Before Elisha was even on the scene, he, he had chosen him to be the king of Aram to carry out his, God's judgment on Israel. And Hazael denies that, well, what, I'm just a dog, I can't do all that. But methinks he doth protest too much. Because he did have murder in his heart. He then promptly carries out his murderous design. And we will see later in 2 Kings that he's going to rip Israel to shreds, going to just be brutal with them. Hazael was elected king to bring judgment on Israel. Elect, yes, elected. Not elected by man. No, no, there's no voting, you know, mail-in voting, no nothing of that. He was elected by God. Not by man, by God to bring judgment to Israel. Now, I'm going to connect some dots, but you're not going to like it. You're not going to like it no matter where you're coming from politically or patriotically or whatever. You are not going to like this. But it's God's word. Elisha said all this was going to happen. And yet he was still heartbroken when it did happen. Elisha's been warning Israel, warning the kings, warning everybody, just like Elijah did, warning everybody, you're going to be judged, God's going to destroy Israel. And yet... When it finally gets here, because they didn't listen to him, when it finally gets here, he was still heartbroken. Just like we are about the United States of America today. Just like we're grieving about the United States today. Not because President Trump lost. <laughs> we were we were going to probably face judgment either way. That may have put it off a little bit of time, but we're going to face judgment no matter who won the election because the country has not repented. President Trump was elected on Make America Great Again, MAGA, right? Uh, but, but Trump was never going to make America great again. No, no, no. God used him to accomplish some great things. He, he appointed some Supreme Court justices that by God's grace will, in mercy, ex- extending our, putting our judgment off just a little bit longer, will hopefully overturn Roe versus Wade. And you talk about a spark that's going to cause a, a massive upheaval, the divided states of America. That's going to be it. You watch. I've been saying all along, abortion is the real issue. All the other smoke screens, just like Civil War, all the smoke screens, it was slavery. Just like all the smoke screens today, it's abortion. It's abortion. That's why uh, Nancy Pelosi this week said, all you Christians, she was, she was you know, admonishing Christians and, and rebuking us, saying, you Christians are willing to throw democracy, uh, destroy democracy for the sake of abortion. <laughs> oh, no, Nancy. 
you're destroying democracy with abortion. God is going to judge this nation. He's going to judge this nation. I've said it many times. The child sacrifice was the last straw in Israel. It's his last straw today for the USA Today. But he was never going to... God... Trump was never going to make... President Trump was never going to make America great again. Uh, he was... But he did accomplish some great things. The Supreme Court. Recognizing Jerusalem as the capital. Prophetic. Prophetic. Fulfilling prophecy. But only one thing can make America great again. Proverbs 14.34 says, Righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a disgrace to any people. Sin is a disgrace to any people, but righteousness exalts a nation. Only righteousness of Jesus Christ, only the church of Jesus Christ can live out that righteousness and bring righteousness back to our country. Only pulpits on fire for the gospel and the holiness, the gospel of Jesus Christ and the holiness of God can bring back our country to righteousness. But nine out of ten pastors in America believe that the Bible speaks to the issues of today, but only one in ten preach it. Because they're afraid. Because how many people will be in their pews or in their seats and how much money they're going to get. That is the criteria. Not God, not the gospel of Jesus Christ. Not the holiness of God. Not our country's survival. It's about their churches. Pitiful churches' survival. That's only righteousness. Only the church of Jesus Christ can turn this around and, and, and make America great again through a revival that goes to a spiritual awakening. But now it's pretty clear that God's judgment has been accelerated by the rulers that He has chosen, that He has picked to rule this country. God has picked them. <laughs> he's, he's the one who elects. The best that we can now hope for is a remnant revival, 7,000 that haven't been bowed their knees. I used, I've been saying for years, 20 years, it's either revival or judgment. Revival or judgment on this country. Well, I think we have shifted, I'm, I'm shifting to, no, we, we are going to face judgment, definitely, but hopefully there will still be some kind of revival, a remnant revival, 7,000 that, that don't bow the knees. President, Trump is also part of the judgment on this country. Don't miss next week when we see Jehu's anointing and we connect the dots. He's also part of this judgment too. Uh, like I said, you're not going to like these, these judgment passages. Nobody's going to like it. But remember, remember something. Just like with Hazael, today God is still calling every shot. Every shot. Nothing surprises him. He is still fulfilling his purpose. And God uses tools that we won't like <laughs> he, he, to refine us, to judge us as a nation, as a church. He doesn't say, how, do, how would you like to be refined? No, he uses the fire. He uses tools. He makes it hot in ways that we won't like it. First Peter 4.17. In First Peter 4.17, and boy, this is, you talk about a a, a scriptural passage that is for today. He, Peter says here, verse 17, for it is time for judgment to begin with the family of God. And if it begins with us, what will be the outcome for those who do not obey the gospel of God? Well, we know what that will be. There will be hell to pay. 
for those who don't obey the gospel of God. But he says it's time for judgment to, be, to begin with the family of God. God is judging the church in the USA today. He is judging his church. He is separating the wheat from the weeds, the sheep from the goats, the false, the counterfeit from the true. He is, And that's why God has put these godless people in power over us to refine his church, to expose the fakes that we're seeing are exposed everywhere. These woke Christians that aren't awake spiritually they're just woke but not awake spiritually and God's showing who is conformed to the pattern of this world instead of being transformed by the renewing of their minds God is showing us and that is why God has put the godless and power over us to refine his church so that we won't be judged with the world for it is time for judgment to begin with the family of God and if it begins with us, what will be the outcome for those who do not obey the gospel of the Lord Jesus? He wants to separate us from the world so we won't be judged with the world. Now listen, I told you you're not going to like this. Next week you're going to like even less, but don't miss it. Don't miss it. You can't miss the connection. It's unbelievable. I told you you wouldn't like it, but this is God's word and it's clear. Connect the dots. God, connect the dots. God is calling the shots. God is calling the shots. Will we, the question is, will we surrender to God's will and purpose? Will we surrender to that? That's what the book of Habakkuk is all about. The prophetic book of Habakkuk is all about. And I'm going to bring in that, this here. It, during Habakkuk's time, Judah, Israel's already wiped out. Judah is evil and, and, and they're getting so wicked. The crazy things, finally, the child sacrifice got so bad. He says, God, we're wicked. When are you going to do something about it? When, when are you going to act? What, 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 what's going on? And God says, okay, Habakkuk, I'm going to. I'm going to bring the Babylonians to, to, to wipe out Judah. He goes, what? The Babylonians? That's not fair. They're even worse than we are. Why don't you punish, why don't you, why don't you punish them first? Well, because God's people, God's people know better. That's why the USA is going to get hit harder than a lot of other countries, because we know better. At one time, most Americans were Christians did follow God's word and, and, and that had permeated our society with the laws that were passed and, and, the, and the ways that we were living. But no longer. In Israel, that's why God was going to use the, that's why God is going to punish the USA even before a lot of other countries that didn't know better. We know better. We know better. Every Christian has access to a Bible, knows what God can see, what God's word says. But that's what happened with Israel. God's going to was going to use the Babylonians, and He said that's not right to use someone so evil to carry a purpose. It, it, which was, and what was His purpose? To judge the wicked in Judah, in the land of Judah, and to separate a godly remnant. That's right. That whole when the Babylonians came, they punished wicked Judah, but also God spared a godly remnant that were taken into captivity and preserved Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and came back again free from idolatry. Never turned back to idolatry again. God was judging Judah and separating a godly remnant and that's exactly what he's doing to the United States today. You watch. But God says, don't worry. He tells Habakkuk, don't worry. They're going to get it even worse. I'm going to really give that, give it to the Babylonians. At least you're going to have a remnant. They're going to get it really bad. But first, I'm going to use them. I'm going to use them first. Connect the dots to the United States today. You've got to be blind not to be able to do it. And learn from what God, we need to learn from what God tells Habakkuk here. 
We have to learn in Hebrews, uh, I'm sorry, in Habakkuk, Habakkuk chapter 1 verse 11, Habakkuk says, Then they sweep past like the wind and go on. Guilty men whose own strength is their God. He's talking about the Babylonians coming through and just wiping them out. He says, I see them just sweeping through and just wiping us out. Then they sweep past like the wind and go on. Guilty men whose own strength is their God. He said, these are wicked people. And don't we feel like that in America today as Christians that the godless have, have, are in control and they're just running roughshod talking about re-educating Christians and, and putting us in concentration camps and and <clears throat> deprogramming us you know so we don't believe all this god stuff it's crazy but but that, that's it's the same idea what they went through Habakkuk was going through and the judah was going through but look what god says to him when he was so upset about these people running roughshod over the godly he says in chapter 2 verse 4 he says see he is puffed up his desires are not right See, talking about these proud people, which we see all over the place today, right? Pride. Antichrist. Pride. And, and God says to Habakkuk, see, he is puffed up. His desires are not right. Yeah, we see that. They're puffed up out there. Their desires are not right. But, God says to Habakkuk, but the righteous will live by his faith. The righteous will live by his faith. We must learn to really live by faith now. Truly live by faith now because of what our country and what the church being refined and what each of us are going to go through. We have to learn to live by faith. Then Abeka says later in verse chapter 3, verse 16, he says, um, he says, I heard and my heart pounded. My lips quivered at the sound. Decay crept into my bones and my legs trembled. He's like, completely crushed by what's going on. And he says, yet I will wait patiently for the day of calamity to come upon the nation invading us. He said, I'm going to wait patiently for God, you to judge those Babylonians. Because I know you're using them to judge us, but I'm going to wait patiently for you to judge them. And we that's what we need to do, wait patiently for God to bring judgment on what we are seeing all around us and the wickedness and, and, they're, and running over us and the power that they're going to have. But we have to wait patiently. Wait, this, is, this is about surrender. Surrender to what God's will is and what God is doing. Christians all over the world are being persecuted, killed, martyred. Every day, all over the world, they're already experiencing that. They are living surrendered. They're not losing their faith. They're living by faith. They're not, they're not, you know, trying to get, they're not trying to fight God on this. They're just waiting patiently for God to do His thing. Yet, then he, then Habakkuk says in verse 17, surrender. Listen to the surrender. Though the fig tree does not bud and there are no grapes on the vines, though the owl crop fails and the fields produce no foods, though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls, though He's saying the economy is going to crash. We're, we're, we're completely crashing. Watch. Verse 16, he says, Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Savior. Where is his joy? Where is his rejoicing? Where is his peace found? It's in God. And we have to live that surrendered life that God's going to peel everything, strip everything away here. It's going to come to the United States. <laughs> Open your eyes. And yet we need to find our joy. Rejoice in God. That is our joy. Corey Ten Boom, Hiding Place. Watch that. Read that book. Watch that movie. In a Nazi concentration camp. And yet the joy. Not every day was she just happy. 
but the joy that she was able to have by rejoicing in God. It's something the world can't touch. That surrendered life. Verse 19, he says, The Sovereign Lord is my strength. The Sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He enables me to go on the heights. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He enables me to go on the heights. We must rise above the coming chaos and depend on God alone. Our job is the same no matter who the president is. No matter how the economy is doing. Our job is the same no matter what. Our focus should be the same no matter what. To live by faith and to live out our faith. To live by faith and to live out our faith. God is calling the shots. It's important that we remember this as we go through this time of judgment and refining that we are to, to, to live by faith and live out to our faith. God is calling the shots. And I'm just going to wrap this up with Acts in book chapter in Acts chapter 4 when the church is being persecuted. They're going through all this craziness. Uh, the wicked rulers... <clears throat> listen, let me, let me read this to you. In the, the, the believer's prayer in Acts chapter 4 verse 25... They said, these are the apostles and the believers praying, you spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant and father David. They're praying this. Why do the nations rage and the people plot in vain? The kings of the earth take their stand and the rulers gather together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus whom you anointed. They did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. They did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. God was calling the shots. What God's power and will has decided. What did they do? They crucified Jesus. He's, they're talking about the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. That looked like complete defeat. The apostles and the disciples were crushed. It looked like complete defeat. And yet, it was our greatest victory. Our greatest victory. It was victory in Jesus Christ. John 3.16 For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. It opened the way for us to have eternal life by putting our faith in Jesus Christ because we know the rest of the story. Jesus was resurrected from the dead, proved His victory, proved His power over sin, over the world, over Satan, over death itself. That's our victory. And then in Acts 4, I'm just going to read the rest of the prayer. In Acts 4, the church is being intensely persecuted. But how did they respond? Listen to the rest of this prayer. Now, uh, they did what your power and will has decided beforehand should happen. Now, verse 29. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform miraculous signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant Jesus. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the Word of God boldly. This is it. This is it. 
They responded with prayer, powerful prayer. They responded with the Holy Spirit's power, shook them. They responded with witness, spoke boldly. And they went out, and the Bible says later, they turned the world upside down. Actually, they turned it upside right. They were accused of turning it upside down. The power. That is God's word for us today. Let's pray. How is God speaking to us through His Word today? Are we prepared for what we are going to face? Are we prepared? Are we trusting God, living by faith? Are we living surrendered? Not, not, Patriotically, but are we living surrendered? Surrendered. Not politically, but surrendered. Not passionately, but surrendered to God's purpose. To His will. His purpose. His glory. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. Are we living that surrendered life? Are we living by faith? And while we're praying about that and preparing for what God is going to be doing, is doing, and going to continue to do in His church and in this nation, in our lives, I want to. While we're praying about that, I want to speak to the one who's praying right now that has not is not living by faith because you've never put your faith in Jesus Christ. We can't live by faith until we put our faith in Jesus Christ, give our life to Him. For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. Have you ever believed in Jesus? Put your faith in Jesus Christ. Given your life to Him. You can do that right now. It's the only way you're going to survive this time. The only way you're going to get through this this, the hell on earth and avoid hell in eternity is by putting your faith in Jesus Christ. Being saved by faith. You can do that right now. The simple but powerful prayer of faith. God, I believe Jesus died on a cross for me. For my sin. So that I could be forgiven. So that I could have a relationship with you once again as my Heavenly Father. I believe your one and only Son, Jesus, died for me. For my sin. I repent of that old life. I repent of my sin. I walk away from the shame, the filth, the garbage, the world, the sinful flesh. I repent I ask you to forgive me through Jesus because I'm putting my faith in Him. I'm putting my faith in Jesus. I'm giving my life to Him. Father, I pray that no one who hears us would would neglect so great a salvation. I pray that everyone who is hearing this would put their faith in Jesus, would know for certain 
And I pray that we would live by faith in this time. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. If you have put your faith in Jesus Christ, you've prayed that prayer of faith, I want to encourage you to tell somebody. Maybe you have a family member, maybe you have a friend, maybe you have a work colleague, maybe you know a Christian on the soccer field. Tell somebody. So they can be encouraged, excited and encouraging to you. And if you need someone to tell, tell me. Chuck Wilson is at nhcc at comcast.net. Email me and I'll get you connected to, I'll be excited for you and get you connected and help you learn how to grow in your faith, okay? Alright, don't miss next time. Part two to this one. Jehu, guess who that is? God bless. <laughs>